1: This episode contains distressing themes, profanity and descriptions of sexual violence This podcast is intended for a mature audience Listener Caution is advised They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network Of Sunday, July 17, 2022, the switchboard lit up in the emergency call centre for the Hampshire Constabulary. The operator heard a woman on the other end of the line. The caller sounded uneasy, and she explained that she had disturbing information about a video call which had taken place with a friend earlier that morning. Vicky Baitup disclosed that her friend Shay Groves got in touch and said that she had found messages on her boyfriend's phone between him and a 13-year-old girl. Groves allegedly told Vicky, I just lost it. I picked up my dagger and stabbed him in the neck. As Groves recounted the story to her friend, She could be seen over the video call cleaning blood from a bookcase and revealed to Vicky that she planned to bury her boyfriend in the back garden. Vicky also told the operator that Groves had pointed the camera towards her boyfriend's body, which was partially covered by a duvet. Vicky said, I watch crime scenes but this is too real. There was a massive gash in his neck. Officers arrived at the scene shortly after 8 a.m. that morning, and when they knocked on the door of the property on Botley Drive in Havant, Hampshire, they were met by 26-year-old Shay Groves, who was smoking a cigarette and wearing a bright pink dressing gown. What's
0: going on? Sorry, <coughs> nine. No, no, no.
1: Don't
0: close the door. What's going on? What's going on? With what? You, Shay? I
1: am Shay. Right. I've Had some kind of strange, interesting call about somebody having had their throat slit. Okay.
0: So what's going on here? <laughs>
1: no, that's, is that dog, that's is it? my dogs. Yeah. When the officers went inside, Groves told them, "He's dead. He's in my room. It's a mess. It really is a mess." Welcome to Season 7, Episode 40 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. There was a strong smell of bleach as the officers walked through the property. The home where Shay Groves lived was shared with a housemate, Lauren White. Groves told the police that her boyfriend, 25-year-old father of two, Frankie Fitzgerald, had raped her. And she could prove it. Groves said, He tried to attack me. It's not the first time. I've got video footage of him raping me and beating me. I was going to call you myself. I don't know what the fuck happened. I still took somebody's life. The knife I used is in the sink. The cut on his neck is pretty brutal. When I put it in his neck, he rolled over. As Gross provided her account, officers noticed that throughout the property there were numerous items of what could be termed as murderabilia, including framed illustrations of notorious serial killers Myra Hindley, the Yorkshire ripper Peter Sutcliffe, Rose West and others. Cups were also seen in the kitchen, on which was printed the Starbucks logo alongside images of Jeffrey Dahmer and Freddy Krueger. Words crime junkie were clearly apparent on another. In a bathroom sink, officers recovered a dagger, and in the bedroom, they found the body of Frankie Fitzgerald wrapped in a duvet on the bed. A pillow covered his face, and bin liners were beneath his body. Following this discovery, Shea Groves was placed under arrest along with her housemate, Lauren White. you on suspicion of murder. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your
0: defence. If you do not mention when questioned, something which you later rely on in court, anything you do say may be given evidence. The necessity for your arrest is for a prompt and effective investigation. Oh okay.
1: After Shea Groves and Lauren White were taken to the police station, A post-mortem examination was conducted on Frankie Fitzgerald's remains. The pathologist concluded that Frankie had been stabbed 17 times in the chest and torso and three times in the neck. One wound to his neck had completely severed the jugular vein and partially severed the carotid artery causing catastrophic blood loss. There were also multiple perforations to the heart and lungs. When questioned about what exactly happened, Jay Groves initially said no comment, responding only to highlight that it was self-defense, by pointing out that if she had stabbed Frankie while he was sleeping, why weren't the sheets covered in blood? She also insisted that her housemate played no part in Frankie's death. Shay Groves was charged with murder, while her housemate, 26-year-old Lauren White, was bailed in relation to the same offence. White was charged with failing to comply with a Section 49 notice to disclose the PIN number to her mobile phone when they appeared at Portsmouth Magistrate's Court in relation to the charges. Prosecutor Lucy Paddock said that the defendants had a close relationship and had both been present at the address when Frankie Fitzgerald's body was found. Groves was remanded into custody and committed for trial at a later date. Frankie Fitzgerald's murder came as a shock to his family and friends. His loved ones released a statement in the wake of his death that read in part, Frankie was a loving father, brother and son. He was the light of our lives and we will miss his kindness, his happy smile and the fun person that he was. Frankie had a large amount of friends and family, and this news has left us all devastated. Speaking at a memorial gathering on Portsdown Hill, Frankie's sister Carla spoke with the media and her words were reported by the Portsmouth News. No one ever thinks something like this is going to happen. He would not hurt a fly. This is why it's so tragic. He wasn't a horrible person. He didn't deserve to die like this. He was my baby brother. He was special. He was always there for me. He was always so funny. He had the biggest grin. He was just amazing. I didn't know anybody who didn't like him. He was so loved. Among those gathered to release balloons bearing Frankie's picture were his close friends Michael Newman, Chloe Burgess and Lily Fletcher. Michael had known Frankie since they were 13 and explained that when Carla had called to tell him about Frankie's death, he broke down. Speaking about his friend, Michael said, He was a diamond. He had a heart of gold. No matter what was going on, he would always be there for you. His mum loved him so much. He was her whole world. He was special. He was one of a kind. You never think anything like that will ever happen. Lily Fletcher had been in the same year as Frankie at school and said it was hard to dislike him. He would always end up making his friends laugh even during an argument. Those people that knew of Frankie's relationship with Shay Groves knew how toxic it was. Shay Groves had a turbulent childhood and reportedly suffered abuse at the hands of those who were supposed to take care of her. She was partially deaf and wore hearing aids since the age of eleven, but it was not her hearing impairment that caused the most challenges at school. Groves was described as having violent tendencies towards herself and others, and on occasion would self-harm. After being referred for a mental health assessment in her early teens, Groves was diagnosed with bipolar affective disorder, a mental health condition that affects a person's moods, causing extreme shifts from one mood to another. Despite this diagnosis, Groves did not get the help she needed. Around the same time she began abusing drugs and alcohol, which continued throughout her teens. Groves left home before completing school, and her struggles with addiction and self-harming were evident while in a cycle of abusive relationships. Then, at the age of 20, Groves met Ashley Wingham. It is reported that Ashley was a better partner than any of Groves's former boyfriends. In early 2017, the couple had a daughter. Around the same time, Groves was diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Over time, her relationship with Ashley Wingham broke down and she moved into a women's refuge. Apart from her living situation, Jay Groves was fascinated by the macabre. Some of her interests were extreme. She was a self-described goth who obsessed over true crime, serial killers, weapons and violent pornography. She had amassed a collection of knives, daggers, axes and a bull-bearing gun that she kept in her bedroom. Before Frankie Fitzgerald's death, Shay Groves had been living with her housemate Lauren White for around three years. It was at the beginning of 2022 that she met Frankie on a night out. Court records indicate that Frankie had been convicted of domestic violence against the mother of his children and other ex-partners, but the couple seemed to have met their match at least in the beginning. Their relationship involved a lot of drinking, cocaine use and sex that could be categorised as consensual non-consent, a type of BDSM where the partner acts as though consent has not been given. Their sex life was recorded on occasion by cameras Groves had installed in the bedroom and throughout the common areas of her house. Within a month, cracks began to form due to Frankie's jealousy and Groves' tendency to go behind his back. She was sober when her daughter was born, but by March 2022, Groves was taking drugs and self-harming again. When her ex-boyfriend sent her a text message on March 12th, Frankie was furious and refused to let Groves leave the bedroom, damaging her belongings in the process. During this period, Groves told Frankie and her friends that she had cancer. Over the months that followed, Groves and Frankie repeatedly broke up, threatening to end their destructive relationship, only to come back together again. However, by July 17th, Frankie Fitzgerald was dead and Shay Groves was committed to face trial for his murder. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. Scent Air diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Scent Air app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Scent Air's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families in EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try Luxury Home Fragrance Trusted by the Pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. The trial began in January 2023 before Mr. Justice Kerr. Opening the case for the prosecution, Steve Perry and KC told the jury at Winchester Crown Court that Shea Groves and the victim had a sex life that involved bondage, dominance, submission and masochism. It is likely she was obsessed with Frankie Fitzgerald because of his performance in the bedroom. The prosecution case is that the defendant is a manipulative, possessive and jealous woman. She stabbed Frankie Fitzgerald multiple times and left him to die without any assistance. When she stabbed him multiple times, she either intended to kill him or at the very least cause him grievous bodily harm. The killing is very likely to have been a crime of passion driven by her jealousy. Groves was claiming she had stabbed Frankie in self-defence something the prosecution dismissed as a lie. Perrion said, If the killing was in self-defense, why go about setting such an elaborate false alibi for yourself? Why didn't she call the police immediately? Why did she clean up the crime scene? Why did she move the body? It was a cunning ploy. Nothing was affecting her mind at that time. CCTV footage from Groves' home recorded a conversation she had with her friend Vicky Baitup in the days before the killing. Groves detailed an argument with Frankie after he had called her his former partner's name during sex. Groves said that she would arrange for someone to attack Frankie in a dark alleyway and get them to kick her so she would not be suspected of any involvement. Groves could be heard saying, I just want to pick up a dagger and put it straight in his neck. Speaking about the footage and the fact that Vicky had heard the threats, the prosecutor said, the recording demonstrates what a cunning, astute and calculating woman she is, who is able to think about every fine detail to get away with murder. The Crown say it doesn't matter whether Vicky Baitup thought it was a joke. It provides an insight into the defendant's mind to plan an attack on Mr Fitzgerald, and engineer a situation in which she appears a victim. This is what we suggest she did when she killed Frankie Fitzgerald. The defendant had many gangster books, like Charles Bronson. She has serial killer pictures in frames on her wall and watches murder documentaries. The Crown say by reading about and watching these, she was familiar with a crime scene, how to create a false narrative, and how to create a false alibi. When you hear the evidence, it is open to conclude she set up a false narrative that she was abused, created a false alibi that she sent to Vicky Bait and cleaned up a crime scene from watching the documentaries. Jay Groves claimed that she had been abused and sexually assaulted by Frankie Fitzgerald, and she had given the police video she said proved her claims. The investigators had concluded that the footage had been edited to portray a different view, when in reality, the unedited footage showed that the interaction was consensual rough sex, albeit with a role-play element. The jury were told about the events that led to the discovery of Frankie's body on the morning of July 17th, 2022. In the early hours of that day, Jay Grove sent a text message to her friend Vicki Beta, explaining that Frankie had walked out and that the relationship was over. Vicky testified that she had received a phone call from Groves later that morning and Groves seemed to be in good humour as she laughed and chatted about their weekend. At some point during the conversation, Vicky heard Groves' housemate Lauren White ask, Are you going to tell her? Groves then switched the call to a video chat. Vicky could see Groves walk upstairs to the bedroom, and then the camera was aimed at the bed where Vicky could see Frankie Fitzgerald's body. I've done him, Groves told her. Vicky said that she could not believe what she was seeing, and asked if they were having her on. Groves responded by returning to the bedroom and once again aiming the camera at Frankie's lifeless body. When Vicky spoke loudly, Groves shushed her, explaining her kids were in the house. Vicky said, Groves got really close to the wound. I don't think I had really grasped what had happened earlier. The gash was so deep. It was enormous. During the call, Vicky heard Lauren White say that she was going to crack. Groves replied to her and said, you can't crack, you're an accomplice. You put the bin bags under his body. Shea Groves described to Vicky how she had been going through Frankie's mobile phone and saw that he had been messaging someone she believed was a 13-year-old girl. Testifying about what she was told by Groves, Vicky Bate upset. While he was asleep, she put the dagger through his neck And that's when he woke. He was asleep. She wasn't even in danger. I could understand if he was attacking her. But she told me he was asleep. And he couldn't even fight back. Groves told Vicky that the police would just assume that Frankie had gone off and taken his life before adding, It's all right. We're going to bury him in the back garden. Before the call ended, Groves asked Vicky, We're still friends, aren't we? Vicky dialed 999 within minutes of ending the call. The distressed caller told the operator that she had seen a quote, massive split in Frankie's throat, and Groves had shown her around the bedroom and her cleaning up the blood. I didn't know what to do, Vicky said. I panicked. She initially thought Groves was joking and Vicky had hoped it was an elaborate prank. But then it dawned on her that Frankie Fitzgerald really was dead. Clearly in shock, Vicky told the call handler. She was acting like it was fine. How can it be fine? There's a dead body in your house. After Shea Groves' arrest, Vicky Beta was interviewed by the police, and a recording of the interview was played at the trial. Groves had sent Vicky three edited clips from CCTV recordings taken in her bedroom that suggested Frankie Fitzgerald had been violent to her and raped her. Vicky informed officers that Frankie had asked for the CCTV cameras in the bedroom to be removed because Groves was threatening to release the videos on social media and ruin his life. The prosecutor told the jury, The Crown say that when the May 30th CCTV recordings are viewed in context, It contradicts the defendant's account of the three short video clips she sent to Vicky Baitup, saying there had been non-consensual sexual violence by Frankie Fitzgerald on her. It also contradicts what she told the police, that he had tried to attack her and it was not the first time, and she had video footage of him raping and beating her. Vicky explained that Groves and Frankie were both into BDSM and that Groves was not shy when talking about her sex life. Vicky had even witnessed a sex contract between Frankie Fitzgerald and Shea Groves in March of that year. It read... I, shay Groves, give Frankie Fitzgerald permission to wake me up through sexual intercourse from the date of the 22nd of March until further notice. Less than a month later, Frankie's jealousy began to impact the relationship, and the pair argued constantly. Text messages between them in May showed Frankie calling Groves a fucking slut, and insisting she should answer yes, Daddy, to his texts. Frankie continued to message Groves and told her he would snap her in half and stamp on the person she slept with, adding, ''Cancer will be the least of your worries.'' Frankie Fitzgerald, among others, had been under the impression that Groves was suffering from cancer, Something proven to be false by the time of the trial. Groves had spoken to Vicky about Frankie's message and called it a threat and a half. Vicky said that she was concerned for Groves' safety, but Groves ignored her friend. On May 17th, CCTV footage showed Groves and Frankie having what was described as rough sex in her bedroom. It pictures Frankie discovering a dagger beneath the pillow. He quietly asked Groves if she intended to stab him in the throat. She said that it was only there for her protection. Later that day, footage again highlighted the couple having rough sex. Groves could be heard telling Frankie that it was not rape, and if she thought it was, he wouldn't be in her house as she had a child to protect. On May 30th, the cameras recorded a punishment role play where Frankie slapped Groves on the buttocks, and she was told to respond each time, Sorry, Daddy, and I'll be a good girl. The footage pictured Frankie slapping Groves' backside 54 times in the first six minutes and although she stopped counting at 36 and asked him to stop, he continued, slapping her over 100 times. This footage was later edited and shown to Vicky Baitup and the police. Vicky described how Groves had threatened to make Frankie Fitzgerald's life a misery by leaking the videos, and had blackmailed another former partner with videos if he did not do what she wanted, such as drive her in and out of town. Speaking about Groves in her police interview, Vicky said, she compiles evidence against everyone to see how she can use them as leverage. Frankie Fitzgerald and Groves' former partners were not the only ones being manipulated into doing her bidding. Evidence was presented that Groves' housemate Lauren White was forced to do things for Groves such as prepare her outfits, roll her cigarettes, make her tea and put on her socks. Vicky testified that Groves had swiped at White with nail clippers on one occasion – leaving a gash on her head. In June 2022, the arguments and rough sex between Shea Groves and Frankie Fitzgerald continued, and the jealousy and controlling behaviour increased. It was at this time that Groves spoke with Vicky Baitup about arranging to have Frankie beaten up, and Vicky replied that it was dangerous and urged Groves to leave Frankie, whom she despised. Vicky called Groves a little skinny thing who could get hurt. Vicky later told the police, I think Shay got some sort of thrill or enjoyment from being in the relationship. I got the impression she got a thrill from some of the abuse. By mid-June Shay Groves had begun sleeping with her ex-partner Declan Payne and she had conspired with her housemate and friend to keep it a secret from Frankie. When Frankie was upstairs someone would distract Declan until he left. Vicky told the police it was a balancing act. She said, It was so close to the two of them seeing each other. Shay was playing them. He never knew which one was going to turn up. Evidence from a group chat in which Shay Groves, Lauren White and Vicky Baitup were part of illustrated three occasions where both Frankie and Declan had almost spotted each other and White described the three as dead girls walking if the men did catch on. At the beginning of July... Groves removed the camera from her bedroom, but kept cameras in the kitchen and living room. On the 15th of that month, the cameras in the kitchen recorded a conversation between Groves, White and Vicky. Groves said that Frankie had gone through her phone and told her he would end up hurting her. Groves explained that he had punched a wall and bookcase in anger. She described him as a jealous, petulant child. Vicky Baitup told Shay Groves that her life was a complete mess. She was concerned for her safety. Groves reassured Vicky that she had weapons to protect herself. She said that she had warned Frankie and told him, I'd fucking put that knife in you, and I know that I would. On Saturday, July 16th, 2022, Frankie Fitzgerald arrived at Shea Groves' home and they began drinking and taking cocaine. Groves's daughter was with her father for the weekend. As Frankie spent the evening gambling online, Groves was messaging Declan Payne. Sensing something was wrong, Frankie had messaged Declan and told him to stay away from Groves. But when Frankie checked Groves' phone in the early hours of the morning, he saw Declan among Groves' Snapchat friends and the couple began to argue again. At this time, housemate Lauren White, who was also in the home, texted Vicky Bait up to warn her that a big fight was kicking off. When things calmed down, Groves called to Frankie who was then in the kitchen and asked him to come back to the bedroom. She had been looking through his phone and found a screenshot of a conversation between him and a teenage girl who she believed was 13. It was later determined that this person was in fact 17 and Frankie had immediately blocked her, but Groves did not realise this at the time. After Frankie Fitzgerald fell asleep, Groves used a Celtic dagger to stab him in the neck. This wound would have proven fatal on its own, but Groves stabbed Frankie a further 19 times. She then set about planning an alibi by texting Vicky Bait up to say that Frankie had left, and she also started cleaning up the blood putting bin liners beneath his body. As Frankie's body lay in her bed, Groves continued to message Declan Payne. Providing his thoughts on the situation, the prosecutor told the court, Frankie Fitzgerald's dead body is in her bedroom and she is having a normal, loving conversation and inviting him over to spend time with her. Four of Groves's decorative knives were displayed for the jury. They had depictions of popular horror movie characters like Chucky, Pennywise and Jigsaw. Jurors were also told about the BB gun Groves kept in her bedside drawer. Jay Groves took the stand in her own defence. She was asked about the knives and portraits of killers she kept on her bedroom wall. The defendant told the jury, They're not photos, they are art. I thought they looked pretty cool, and it's different. I'm also a massive Disney fan. I wanted my bedroom to be completely different and to shock people. The knives were on my wall for decorative purposes. Groves described her humour as dark and twisted and admitted to joking about sensitive topics such as rape and murder. I get a lot of unpleasant thoughts which I make light of, she testified. Referring to the coffin-shaped bookshelf she had in her bedroom, Groves said, It was my humour. If I die in my bed, roll me over and put me in a coffin, that's what I used to say. Gross claimed to be a pagan and said that she had purchased the Celtic dagger, later identified as the murder weapon, to be used in pagan rituals. She told the court, Celtic is big in paganism, so I thought it would go nice with my rituals. I kept it under my pillow, one, because it's a good thing to do, because it brings spiritual connection together, and two, for protection. I felt safer having it easily accessible, especially as the months went on. When questioned about the footage where Frankie Fitzgerald discovered the dagger beneath his pillow, she said, There was one occasion where he asked if I was going to stab him with it, but it was in a playful tone. A jury was shown footage from March 12th where Shea Groves claimed Frankie Fitzgerald had anally raped her. In the video, Frankie could be heard asking, that was a bit rapey, wasn't it? Groves said that Frankie had not considered her feelings at all and that it was very painful. She told the court, I blame myself at the time because I didn't actually say no. It was something that I just ignored and we put behind us. Groves had told Frankie that although it was not the quote, most romantic act, it was proof she loved him. She admitted to joking with friends about Frankie being violent towards her but said that it later became a reality. The prosecution presented the court with the threatening messages Frankie Fitzgerald had sent to Groves about what he would do if she slept with someone else. Groves was asked about the conversation she'd had with her friends discussing plans for Frankie to be beaten up. She said, I wanted him to see how badly he was treating me. This is probably a bad phrase to use in court, but I wanted to stab him in the back. Barrister Michael Goodwin QC asked his client whether she was ever serious about getting someone else to harm Frankie, and the defendant answered no. The jury read the text messages Gross had sent to friends about what she would do if she was attacked. One read, If he comes for me, I won't stop myself. I will grab whatever I can. My dagger is right next to me. Rose then provided her account of the night Frankie Fitzgerald was killed. In the months after her arrest, Groves had claimed to the police that she had attacked Frankie in self-defence and offered the same account at the trial. She explained that Frankie had a cocaine habit and he would become aggressive when under the influence of the drug. Groves told the court that she and Frankie had been arguing on the night of his death after he became suspicious that she had started seeing a former partner. While he was downstairs, Groves had checked his phone and found what she believed were messages between Frankie and a 13-year-old. According to Groves, the messages infuriated her, and she confronted him about it. Quote, it tipped me over the edge. At that point I called him some really horrible names, including pedo and nonce. Frankie was irate when he was accused of being a pedophile. Groves told the court. You could see it in his eyes. He grabbed me by the throat and forcefully pushed my head towards the headboard. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't even scream, my eyes were blurry, I realised he wasn't going to let go, and I feared for my life. I reached out to grab an object on the bookcase, and I hit him in the throat. I have a money box there, and I thought that if I hit him with that it would get him off. He rolled off the bed and he stood up and slid down the wall really slowly, There was bubbling coming out of his neck when he stopped moving. His chest wasn't moving. It was just noise. When that happened, I realized that I had killed him. I tried to stop the bubbling. I put my hand there, but that didn't do anything. So I stabbed him in the heart. Groves claimed that stabbing Frankie again and again was an attempt to silence the noise he was making. She said that she then panicked and called her daughter's father, who she alleged had told her to wrap Frankie's body in plastic and clean the walls. Groves claimed she called for Lauren White to help her place bin liners and shopping bags beneath Frankie's body, and she also put a pillow over his face. Groves cleaned the room, wiping blood from the walls and a coffin-shaped bookshelf. She said that she used bleach to clean the bloodstains and placed the dagger in the bathroom sink before realising what she was doing. Groves testified, I didn't touch him or the knife and left it all as it was. I knew what I had done and I knew I wasn't going to stick around for the consequences. At this point she said she had decided to kill herself. I didn't know what to do or how to deal with what had gone on. I made a choice that when the police got involved, I would go and top myself. I didn't want my daughter to have to deal with me going to prison. When asked why she had not told Vicky Baitup that she had killed Frankie in self-defence as she was claiming on the stand, Groves said she had lied about Frankie being asleep when she stabbed him. I didn't want anyone to be right about him. The man is dead. I didn't want to tarnish his reputation. I didn't want Vicky to say, I told you he would attack you. I didn't want her to be right. The defendant admitted she had been drinking alcohol and had snorted two small lines of cocaine on the night of Frankie's death. She insisted that the stabbing was not premeditated in any way. Groves testified, I lost control for a second, longer than a second to be honest. It was over in a matter of seconds. Groves explained to the court that she did not have the chance to say goodbye to her daughter and kill herself before Vicky called the police and she was arrested. Groves admitted that she did not tell officers that Frankie attacked her when they first arrived. I was just taking full responsibility at that point, she said. A home office pathologist concluded that Frankie Fitzgerald had been stabbed in the neck with moderate force, a swiftly fatal wound that opened the back of the throat internally and severed major blood vessels. The victim would have lost consciousness rapidly, and contrary to Groves' claims that Frankie had attacked her, he had no defensive wound. However, he did have a further 19 stab wounds to his chest and neck, all of which were inflicted when he was already dead or dying. As the five-week trial came to an end, the jury were sent out to deliberate. They returned on February 17th, 2023, After considering the evidence for 18 hours, wearing a denim jacket with a large pentagram on the back, Shay Groves smiled when she heard the verdict. Groves was found guilty of murder. After the verdict, Frankie Fitzgerald's loved ones released a statement. As a parent, you never expect to outlive your children. You will do anything in your power to protect them. Frankie was our baby, the youngest of five children. He can never be replaced. He was a kind and beautiful person and sadly leaves two children behind that will never get to know their daddy. He thank the jury for their verdict today. To our Frankie, we love and miss you more than anything in this world. Your shining light will always be in our hearts. Detective Chief Inspector Nicola Burton from Hampshire Police also spoke following the verdict, stating that the thoughts of all officers were with Frankie's family. DCI Burton said, We will do everything we can to investigate and bring to justice those responsible for such horrific crimes. The details disclosed in court were distressing for all to hear. I'm pleased the jury has reached this verdict following tireless work from our local policing teams, detectives, specialist teams and the Crown Prosecution Service. I would encourage any victim of domestic abuse to find the courage to come forward and tell us about it. The sentencing hearing was held at Winchester Crown Court on February 22nd. Presiding Judge Mr Justice Kerr listed the aggravating and mitigating factors that were to be considered when deciding the minimum term of the mandatory life sentence imposed for a murder conviction. In his observations, the judge told the defendant, This was a crime of passion. You loved the man you killed and killed the man you loved. You are, as the crown submitted, manipulative, jealous and possessive. A crime of passion is not committed in cold blood. You realise your relationship with Frankie was ending. You were losing your influence over him. You sensed that he was going to leave you for a less toxic girlfriend. You were planning for that already, considering resuming your relationship with Mr. Payne. But then you became furious on finding the messages between Frankie and the supposed 13-year-old girl. I accept that you believed he was in contact with a girl of 13 and did not realize that he had blocked her on finding out her supposed age. You lost your temper and acted upon your impulse. If you could not have Frankie, no one could. No other woman would have him if you could not. You saw to that. The judge concluded that the use of a knife was an aggravating factor, As not only had the knife been used to kill Frankie by inflicting the fatal neck wound, but Groves had also stabbed him a further 19 times, quote, disfiguring his body in a frenzy of violence. Mr. Justice Kerr did not believe the crime was planned far in advance. Still, he did say that Frankie was particularly vulnerable as he was asleep and unable to defend himself against the attack. The judge remarked, His trust was abused in that he had questioned why you needed a dagger under your pillow while he was with you in bed and asked whether you intended to stab him in the throat. You had told him you did not, all aware you might, knowing he may be in danger from you. Mr Justice Kerr also referred to the manipulation of evidence by Groves when she edited the CCTV footage and the threats she issued to distribute the videos on social media. He also said that Groves had implicated Lauren White as her accomplice, partially cleaned the crime scene, and sent false text messages to establish some sort of alibi. When listing the mitigating factors that may reduce a sentence, Mr. Justice Kerr referred to Groves's difficult childhood and what was described as her deep and genuine passion for Frankie. I accept that he was far from blameless, the judge said. He was a violent man who threatened you and sexually assaulted you. You were in some fear of him and he was a danger to you, as you were to him. Shea Groves was sentenced to a minimum of 23 years in prison, a term the judge called some atonement for the senseless murder of this troubled young man. Before Groves was sent to the cells... The judge told her that punishment is little consolation to set against the suffering Frank's family will have to endure during and beyond the years you will spend in prison. You may eventually be released, but their son and brother will not return. The father will not return to his two children. The damage you have done cannot be undone. DCI Rod Kenny provided a statement to the media after the sentence was handed down. Jay Groves was responsible for the shocking and sustained attack, which tragically resulted in Cranky's death. We're pleased with the jury's verdict and the sentence will ensure that Groves spends a significant period of time in prison for what she has done. Nothing can fill the void that has been left in the lives of those who knew Frankie and our thoughts remain with his family, friends and loved ones. I would like to praise their courage and hope that this sentence will in some way deliver the justice they deserve. So where are we now? In the days after the sentencing, a friend of Shea Groves who did not wish to be named spoke with the Daily Mail and detailed Groves's lifelong obsessions. The friend said, We used to hang out. Shea was quite strange. She was unique. The way she dressed... What she was into, she used to like Chucky dolls and was interested in them. When she was younger, she was different to what she is now. She was more girly, but she was never like a girly girl. And she always stood out from the crowd. We'd all be in bright colours and she'd be the one in dark clothes, even from that age. She didn't wear what she wore now. She wasn't a goth, but she was always unique. She's always been a bit strange. CPS Wessex Senior Crown Prosecutor Marie Watton provided a statement after the sentencing. Highlighting Groves's fascination with serial killers and true crime documentaries... Wotton suggested Groves would be familiar with what to do and say when attempting to engineer the situation to make it appear she was the victim. This unraveled when the police obtained witness statements and evidence from mobile phones and CCTV. Speaking about Frankie Fitzgerald's loved ones, Wotton remarked, Our thoughts remain with his family today. And we hope that they feel that a sense of justice has been delivered for Frankie. Thank you for listening. And special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode... Please see the show notes or visit our website, they walk among